Alright, welcome to episode 55 of the Just Jiu Jitsu Podcast. I am Andrew Desimone, here with... Carly Gracie. I think this is the second episode in a row where I... You've rocked it. Right off the bat, just went into like an introduction. You've rocked although I will say that your little shuffle that you were doing there in your seat there, it was kind of throwing me off. I wasn't sure quite what was happening. <laughs> I wish I could say I know what I was doing, but I... I yeah, it was like, like you're shimmying on it, the chair. It, was it just weird. happened, I guess. Yeah, it was weird. Well, uh, we are here to work on... To discuss episode 55. What's the topic? Well... Bop, 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 take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd. Do you want to finish it? That's why we need a camera here, so you could see my facial expression. (laughs) Buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I'm done. Uh, This episode is on the baseball bat joke. (laughs) Do you get it? The theme? The baseball and, yeah? Sure. This is the closest. I've never been to a baseball game. I know. This is the closest. The song I was singing, have you heard that song? I'm sure I have at some point. This is the closest that you'll ever get to the baseball world is just this, this yes. joke. This is 100% as close as I will get to it. Do you know how it got the name? Yeah. The name uh, got picked up in America. Um, and I think it's because of the, the traditional grip for a baseball choke. It's like you're holding a bat. Does it have a name in uh, Portuguese? No, nah, it's just another choke. Now, now I'm sure in Brazil, now I'm sure they call it the baseball choke now too. You know, that's how things get named and they get carried over. But traditionally, no. Well, this choke is one that was on my mind because we're working on it right now at our gym. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those that is sudden and intense. Very violent. It's like what I imagine it'd be like a, just a terribly painful aneurysm would feel like <laughs> sorry if anyone's had any any like personal experiences with this but it's just life is good and then all of a sudden it's not you it's like the the mom in wanted where her head just drops and wanted have you not seen wanted the movie which what movie is that someone with angelina jolie and are they, are they like uh hitmen yeah they're or? expired like yeah they're like killers and i don't stuff. think i ever saw that one you never saw that one Mm-mm. oh yeah the the What's the guy's name? The guy that played, uh, um, not in Glass, but the other one, the follow-up to Glass. Oh, um, he's it's a not new, Tom. No, he's a new Professor Xavier, new Professor X. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that guy. Yeah, the young Professor X. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's the main character, and he's talking about his life in the beginning of the movie, and he's like, yeah, you know, you can say I had a shitty life, and he's kind of describing his life, and he's like, you know, like one day, and he's eating breakfast, he's like eating cereal, and his mom's head just hits the table and he's like and she had an aneurysm and like and like that's all he says about her <laughs> and that started him down the path of being no the, the only thing you i need re- to go, you need to go watch the movie it's really good only thing i remember about that is in the trailer it just it was they they could curve bullets, curve bullets. When they yeah, shot yeah, them. yeah yeah but you need to watch the movie. it's actually really good like if you get past the curving bullets thing it's actually a really good movie are you saying it's not realistic to curve a bullet Okay, well, next you're going to tell me that it's not possible to kill a man with one punch to the chest. It's not. Dimmock is not a thing. Dude, you've never seen me hit a bag. <laughs> the most real Dimmock video ever is Enter the Dojo when they talk about the Dimmock Daddy. What, what the hell is that? <laughs> Just, you'll have a good laugh. Just watch it tonight. Uh, you know what? There is such a thing. You could kill someone with a single punch if you, if we got the, the rock. 
see the dim mock is supposed to be pressure points that cause your heart to stop oh okay it's a single strike to the chest okay. and then your heart can't beat yeah like if the rock punched a toddler it may happen maybe yeah I, I don't think, think he's that strong. I haven't seen San Andreas, but I think that's what the, the plot is of that movie. I might go watch it now. Yeah. All right. So uh, back to back to business. Oh. The baseball bat joke. It's like you referenced before. Gets its name from the grips that you have on your opponent's collar. Correct. And how would you describe just the basic baseball bat joke? So generally speaking, you're going to have one one grip four fingers into the collar on one side of the neck on the opposite side of the neck you're going to have a thumb inside grip um and the idea is to just like you would when you're swinging a bat and, and again i don't i've never never swung a bat in my life so you would pull your elbows in together tight to your rib cage and you'd rotate and that rotation you would cause your elbows to connect and collapse and the only thing standing between that swing would be the opponent's neck and that's where the choke gets really really tight is this a blood choke? It is a blood choke. It feels like so much more than a blood choke. Well, there's a, an incredible amount of force generated on, on baseball chokes that, um, you know, cause pain to happen, fear, anxiety, and so on. Um, also for beginners, if, you're, if your grips, if your fingers and your wrists aren't built, your forearm isn't built and yet for gripping, the tighter you make the baseball choke because of the tremendous force that's generated uh, you'll feel it on your fingers and wrists and so on you can actually tweak your fingers and wrists too i didn't think about that so a lot of new people do they they well, tweak it or do they just get so fatigued in their forearms they uh, have to they'll, they'll, they'll it'll hurt them it'll be uncomfortable and it'll hurt them so they'll they'll loosen it up so very rarely do you get somebody who actually hurts themselves doing it unless you get it like an overeager white belt that's swinging for the fences and they're not their their arms aren't ready for it yet why is this choke so powerful and so uncomfortable? Well, because there are two. When I think of this choke, I think of two things. I think of it's it happens very fast, and when it happens, it's severe. So this anytime that anytime a sudden movement happens, it tends to be effective. Suddenness is tough to counter, tough to adapt for. If you do something slow, your body tends to kind of adjust for it. But when it's sudden your body will either relax completely or stiffen up both those reactions will play into the baseball choke um so that's that's one issue is the suddenness of it the second is it engages all your strongest upper body muscle groups your dorsals your biceps your triceps your shoulders and then it's a full body rotation into it which means now you have torque and momentum and weight that get applied into it it's just a vicious choke and you can make it more vicious by carrying the momentum through. And, and, and as long as you keep doing that, it just gets worse and worse. The energy, the momentum, that, kin that kinetic energy that's created and the momentum that's there has to go somewhere and it goes into soft tissue, which happens to be the opponent's neck. Now, this is a choke you can hit from many different positions. What's the most common position you see people hit this? Um, half guard. Half guard. Someone's in, uh, someone's in your half guard. And on you're in top. the bottom. You're in the bottom. You're in the bottom hitting. You're, you're in the bottom. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And what what are some of the things you have to do as when you're setting this up? If you're in from bottom, mm. bottom half. Um, generally speaking, you want to have um, a 
overhook underhead and you want to get your thumb inside of the collar your inside arm which would usually be blocking a bicep for a cross face either you will give that up or you already lost that battle and the opponent is already cross facing you you sneak that hand inside so now you have a four finger grip up on one side of the neck and your forearm on the other side of the neck thumb in now is it tough to get your grips because we've talked some of the chokes that you do in your collar chokes like technical chokes are easy for people to stop is this one that is well, tough to get in place we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later um generally speaking um it becomes about awareness right the opportunity to do this choke is when you know that you can't stop somebody's ability to cross face you or that they're so eager to pass that they're not paying attention right this is not something that you try to be sneaky about this is something you take advantage of the opponent's lack of awareness okay so it's not necessarily a you're it's not necessarily like a plan a from what you just said it sounded like it's oh no no, no. Plan it, it can absolutely be a plan a but it, it's um it's like counterfighting right uh like boxers that counterfeit you know they can be knockout artists even though they're counterfighting you know uh, you can absolutely choke people out but it's ultimately a counter a counterfighting style move where you need the opponent to do certain behaviors in order to expose themselves to it. And then once they hit a certain point and there's that, 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 the threshold, the line, the point of no return, once they cross that point, then it doesn't matter if they try to back out or not, it's too late. Now they, they're, they're too far into it. Okay. So we'll step back then before we get into talking about like trying to set it up and problems people may see. And let's talk about just, I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish kind of where you left off as far as completing the choke. So you talked about, you get your top, you get your hand in with your thumb and then the four fingers on the other hand. Right. So then at that stage, you need to create a, a motivation, right? Uh, um, an eagerness on the opponent, which would come in a form of passing your half guard. So you, you'd get a butterfly hook inside and you kick him over to side mount. Um, and this is just one of many setups, but when you kick him over to side mount from half, very rarely are you gonna be able to sweep anybody because there's nothing blocking their ability to post, their ability to hip out or sprawl or any of that stuff. But what it will do is create space between you and them. Generally speaking, the opponent will see themselves inside mount and see space and usually if you're on top of side mount and you see space the instinct is to cover that distance and eliminate that space by coming into the choke uh, by coming into close distance they actually walk themselves into the choke they're actually driving their own weight creating momentum in the direction that you want to swing that quote-unquote bat and then once you swing and and you're swinging the same direction as they're going it gets really tight really quick Okay, so they're the basic, it's a basic walkthrough. Now, if we go back to the beginning mm-hmm. and just walk through it, let's look at some of the roadblocks people may run into as they're trying to hit something like this and they're learning it. So the first one I kind of had mentioned was trying to get your hand positions. Right. That top, the top grip where it you have your hand really just right behind their neck, mm-hmm. thumb in, grabbing the collar. That one's pretty easy to get. Yeah, I would, I, generally speaking, depending on the setup, there's a couple of different setups, but generally speaking, that hand can even go in last because that's such an easy grip to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in some setups, you're better off using that hand to open up the collar in order to feed the inside hand, the four-fingered hand inside first and then when the opponent cross faces and collapses now you have a free hand you can get that easy grip over the top how are you using that hand to 
open up for the four fingers it, are you doing it over the top of the head or are you no, bringing like, it under the neck and almost having like a frame you're creating like a frame under the neck kind of open the lapel and then basically pull their gi over your hand almost like you're putting a bed sheet on your, on your hand and grip and loop the head because that's the toughest grip to get so once yes. you have that then it's easy to stick the thumb inside okay i like that one i was watching a video online of majid yeah what's majid. majid's last name haji yes who was a very nice guy yeah he was at one of the bjj in paradise yep. uh trips we went to yeah, it was it was a lot of fun training with him yes and his i mean he's really well known for he's probably the most well-known person as far as baseball chokes go yes and he yeah he, it was cool because he, he did he had a class at this trip we went to where he taught the baseball choke and the video i watched of him his setup was a little different he had he had a bunch of different ways he was hitting it the one i saw was he came to get that top grip over the the neck he actually went with his inside hand lifted the back of their collar up Mm -hmm. and then came up and got a really deep grip with the outside hand Mm -hmm. got that really nice and deep and then came up, snuck in, snuck in under here. Uh, but you can do that. So he's, that was he's creating space to get the hand inside. That's really what it comes down to. Is the problem with collar grips is sometimes it's too tight. So if he comes over the top like that, he bunches up the gi. He creates a lot of gap between the neck and the back and the gi, and you can slide the hand in a little deeper. So there, there, there are a couple setups. Although I like, I like that. I, I mean, I'll probably try both, but I do like the idea of. Getting that inside hand first. I I just thought when I was working through it, I'll just go top, get it this one, uh, the top one first, because it's easy, and then go under. But I think when you do that, someone has like in their head a little alarm that goes, they got one hand in place. Right. Just like be just be aware where that second right. hand is. Right, right. And so it's harder to get that second one. I might be better off getting that first hand in. So they may be like, all right, alert they have this hand in place but then it's way harder for them to stop that right. top right because right. that's such an easy grip right okay so we're we're here we got our grips then the next step was to get a, an inside butterfly hook from half guard and the purpose of this is we're setting up the we're forcing them to pass half quote unquote do you have to do that could you almost just flatten your legs and let them pass you like you absolutely you could be as obviously as obvious as you want to be but you you have to find the fine balance of i am being way too obvious with this Mm -hmm. and oops i fucked up meaning like if i tried to quote unquote sweep you with a butterfly hook from half which will never sweep anyone right um the opponent may think, man, this guy's desperate or dumb or he's not thinking straight and they'll rush in. They won't question it too much versus if I'm in somebody's half guard and all of a sudden their legs just drop. The, the, there's some fuckery about. <laughs> okay, so that leg is purely just just a, a feint. It comes yes. up, It you act like you're trying to sweep them, right. doesn't work, they think, dumbass, right. I'm going to pass now to side. And then you swing. They they start to pass, and then that swing. What is what's starting that motion? Where's the? So they're pushing into us, right? And our goal becomes then to, as soon as we feel that energy coming into us, the the first two goals are to pull our elbows to rib cage, so we're nice and strong, to put our ear, our inside ear, 
to their inside ear and then swing all the way through. So we drive our hips over and then we try to belly down as best we can. Belly down being the, the better option. Um, and if you kept your elbows in, bellying down is very, very easy. But um, the most common mistake with this is when people swing, they don't pull their elbows in or at least not enough. And either they end up incapable of bellying down or it taking way too much work to belly down. One thing I've run into before is when they pass and I turn, I will turn and for whatever reason, I end up with my elbows like really high up right. here and then their weight's on top of me and, then it and won't it's work. tough to get my elbows back tight. Yeah. What am I doing wrong there? Well, you're, you're collapsing your own elbows. You're crossing your center line, right? Mm-hmm. So when you pull your elbows in during that swing, neither elbow crosses the center line. Your arms are still strong and powerful. But if you swing the arms and you don't move your torso, now your arms are weak and you have nothing. You know, think of it like swinging a bat, mm-hmm. right? Somebody tosses a ball, you go swing a bat. If you just move your arms to swing, it's only going to be so strong versus if you swing your whole torso into it. Right. So as I do, <coughs> as I do bring them over, my hands are now crossing my body. There will be a point where my elbows cross that center line, right? No. For the, not even for that finish? No, because your body's rotating with it, right? Okay. So yeah, if your if your torso doesn't move and you just swing your arms, then that center line crossing happens. But if your whole body swings, the distance between your elbow and your sternum never changes. Now I see people do this, and as you say that, I'm thinking maybe it's just symptomatic of them doing the technique wrong. But when they the person cr- uh, starts to push into them, they turn and they're turning down towards the uh, I guess we haven't said this but when we say turning it's almost like you're trying to flop to your belly right you're trying to basically expose your back yes and you turn and people will use like this motion like where they try to bring they're trying to push the person away yeah they're trying to bring almost their top hand with the thumb in down and their forefingers that hand they're trying to like push the elbow up like it's a Right, but you know the, 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 they forget that at the end of the day, this is simply any baseball choke is at, at the end of the day is simply an inverted cross choke, right? And like any cross choke, it gets tighter as your elbows get closer to your rib cage, not as you push away from it. Mm-hmm. So that's a very common mistake because it feels good to push, you know, but the really choking power comes from rotation and pulling your elbows to your rib cage. All right. So we're here. We bring, we bring that over now in a perfect world, we get to that point and they, if you're doing this right by before you even, you shouldn't even get to your belly. They're they're probably very tight. They'll be tapping before that. Now, what if you start to get to your shoulder and you're bellying down and they're just not tapping and you realize they're gonna go out. What if you have too much slack on that collar? They're gonna go out. They're still gonna go out? It only takes seven pounds of per square inch to collapse the arteries. But if you don't, if you have too much slack, then there's not that pressure to create. Remember, as you're rotating, you're eliminating that slack, right? Now, again, you are right. There is a point of diminishing returns where there's so much slack that you, you just can't can't recover right you mm-hmm. gave too much room um if you're too tight there's a lot of pressure in your hands so you have to find that point of okay this is tight enough 
that I can finish a choke, but not so tight I can hurt my hands. If you do have too much slack and you turn over and you realize, I, I like it's hard to there's recover, man. That, there's there's not a good way to pull there, back. There, there are there are a couple of quick things you can do, but at the end of the day, it's it's a very hard hard to recover position to be in. Okay. Now, what about if you have someone where you go for that baseball choke and they roll with it, uh-huh. and they go and they just roll like somersault over your body, remember, and now they're remember, on their back. Remember when we were talking about space jiu-jitsu last, last episode? Dude, I have thought about that every day since then. Okay, good. Because I've been telling you guys for years that that um, orientation you know, is relative. Mm. There is no such thing as up and down and left and right. If I swing and I belly down and you roll over, then I'll just keep rotating and we'll end up in the same spot. Nothing changed. It doesn't matter if you're belly up or belly down as long as the rotation keeps going. So what's the best position when they flip over and now well, they're on their back? There's a, there's a couple options. What we did in class was a simple solution where we went to north and south instead. We rotated above and went to north and south and that tightened things up. And then you put your head to so the side of the body so, so that they can't follow you yes that the head blocks the hips right yeah so that they can't follow you when your head's down what are you doing with your hips and you're sagging your hips sagging, so you're sprawling the hips right and the only reason for that is because it pulls your elbows closer to your rib cage okay now the another solution in space you you couldn't do that could you because you could you pull yourself into their face all right so the the hips <laughs> You just of course be pulling. You could. All right, I guess I guess that still yeah. that still works. Yeah, yeah. The other option would be as they belly up to continue keeping your ear to ear contact and roll over their face and then pull them back up on top and that'll keep getting tighter and tighter. So it's almost like an omoplata where you there's a rolling, a rolling, a right. rolling. It'll just get tighter and tighter as you go because that torque will have to the energy created by the torque has to be released somewhere. You keep rolling and rolling, rolling till it's just a limp body, and you're just rolling, and you're like and a. They're just dead. Yeah, you're like yeah. an alligator with like a dead right. body, just yeah, rolling I, and I rolling. I mean, I would like to try it for scientific purposes. <laughs> yeah, purely scientific purposes. Yeah. Okay, so we worked through the popular spot of being in. Uh, it's a common, common spot. It's not the only spike in the baseball choke, but it's a, it's a common one. What if you have a guy who? Let's go right back to where we were. Half guard. You have a guy who's just putting a ton of pressure on you, and you are working to get those grips, but he's just pushing down, and it's tough to like lift him up and get him to go to the side. So you, a guy like that, may take the the legs being flopped open as a sign to pass. Anybody who's fighting that hard for anything will take anything, and they'll think they've earned it. So that may be the best way. Right, so you have to keep in mind that um, one of the things that's very important to note with the baseball choke is its efficiency. Don't get me wrong, it's an incredibly tight choke and it's very mechanically powerful. But I, I think its biggest weapon, and, and, and Majid even said so, I mean, I talked to him about it. Um, one of its biggest weapon is people's ego. How so? So, so I asked him, right? I said, so I said, your setup is not incredible. I didn't tell him that, but I mean, it's a, it's not a, I mean, he isn't doing anything magical with his setup. It's 
pretty common setup, right? It's a good setup, but it's not like a secret, right? So I said, how, how are you hitting all these people? And he's like, well, they kind of hit it on themselves. Well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, if it's a tournament, right? And you pass my guard, you score three, it's hard to recover, right? So mm-hmm. if the opportunity is there for you to pass my guard, wouldn't you take it? Yeah. Right. And I'm like, well, okay, fair. So you catch a first few wave of people that way. But what about the second wave? The people that know you're setting them up. And he's like, well, they think that they're above it. (laughs) And as gritty as that comment may be, it's true. Right. I mean, um, people did it to Hajar too. They just didn't call it out, you know. Uh, when Hajar would top mount people, he'd cross choke them. He'd technically choke them from, from top mount. And it didn't matter who you were. He's still going to cross choke you from hell. Right. And, and you know that everybody knew he was going to do that. And you know that everybody going in was thinking, A, I'm not going to get mounted. And B, if I do get mounted, he's not cross choking me. That's like a white belt technique. That's not happening. Mm. And he did it all the same. So to Majid's point, he had a really good point. He's like, I get my grips, I get to half guard, they know I'm gonna kick him off, right? They may not even want the points because they're never gonna be exposed to the choke, but they will all think, not me. I see this coming, it's not gonna happen to me. You know, I can mm-hmm. do something about it. But that's, to his point, that's playing a very dangerous game. It's like saying, oh, I know the defense for an arm bar, so I'm gonna let them arm bar me just so that I can get out. That's a silly game to play. But in the heat of the moment, in a competition, sometimes that advantage or that point may make a big difference on the outcome of the match. Right. There are different, <clears throat> there are different like styles of a baseball choke too, aren't there? Because we're talking, we've talked about the one where you have the the one finger on top, and then uh, you have the four fingers uh, on the collar. There's also one that we'll do in, let's say, our color belt curriculum where. You have it's on the same side of the collar, really, but you still loop the head, so it ends up the same. Yeah, that one's a deliberate though, like yes. you're doing a loop, right? Right, right, correct. And so that that's a little bit different. Where the setup is different, but at the end of the day, when you when you're choking, the grip is the same. Okay. So if you think about it, right? On the grip, I, I you guys didn't see it in my hand, but um, when you you make you, a great mime, I'm thank just you. Saying. So when you when you pull their head down and you loop the head, mm-hmm. you have a thumb inside on one side of the neck and four fingers up on one side of the neck, and it's essentially the same choke. Okay. Guys who want to see great people at baseball chokes, we mentioned uh, Majid. Majid Haj, yeah. How do you spell that? Um, M-A-G-I-D, and then the last name is Haj, H-A-G-E, and I think he's the fourth. Majid Haj, the fourth. Or just look up Gorilla Hands. That's yeah, his nickname. Yeah. Any other guys that you think of when, with baseball choke? Um, there was a guy in uh, uh, Wisconsin, um, an older guy. Um, forget his name. He was like a gray-haired guy. Um, he was a purple belt. I think he might still be a purple belt. Maybe he's a brown belt. Um, he hits a nogi. I think I've seen him hit a nogi more than anybody else. How does he do a nogi? Um, when does he I, use the rash guard? No, no, no. The first time I saw somebody hit a baseball choke nogi, I saw it called uh, 
the Hawaiian choke is what it was originally called, but it's essentially a baseball choke. You you gable grip around the neck and you swing all the same. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and um, that guy in Wisconsin, um, I think he trains um, at Reds School, and uh, he was baseball choking everyone on their feet. He'd start on their feet and he'd get a like a Muay Thai grip around their head and he would just drop the side mountain swing and he was just strong enough, just fast enough with good setup and a sudden setup and people weren't expecting him to be that powerful or that fast, especially because he's a little bit older mm-hmm. and he was, he, I mean, he was tapping people left and right, but how, go ahead. I was going to say, how long has the choke been around? Like oh, it's, popular? Been around, it's been around forever. It's a judo. It's originally a judo choke. So in judo, um, in judo, the baseball choke is, is like a near perfect technique, right? So if you think about in judo, um, if I if you take me down, okay, and it's not a perfect toss, meaning it's not an epon, like you don't get a perfect toss. Because if it was a perfect toss, the match is over, right? You win. But if it's not a perfect toss, the way the rules play out is something along these lines. And I'm not a judo expert, um, but it plays out to you have 30 seconds to pin me. So if you pin me as a person throwing or you submit me within that 30 seconds, then you win, right? Me as a person bottom, if I submit you or I escape in 30 seconds, we stand up and we go again. In judo, if you take me down, but you remain standing, it's called a level change and they actually stand us up. Okay. So it's a guarantee that when people take you down, they're going to fall on you. Right? Otherwise, it's going to be a standing. It gives them a better chance of holding the person down. Now, why does that matter? Because in judo, it's 30 seconds. So if I swing a baseball choke and I want my back, I'm exposing my back fair, mm-hmm. but I'm not pinned, you see? Oh, yeah. And if I get a submission, I'm out. And if I don't get a submission and I can just stay on my belly for 30 seconds, we'll stand up and go again. So in judo, it's a, it's a, it's a nearly perfect technique, much like omoplata is a nearly perfect technique in jujitsu because in omoplata, either I get the submission or I get two points for the, for you escaping, for you to escape an omoplata, you give up two points every time. So for jujitsu competition, the omoplata is nearly perfect. Okay. Yeah. So it came from, it came from judo. And I think it's still one of the bigger ones in judo. What has it been? What has its popularity been like in professional competition, professional jiu-jitsu? So uh, the baseball choke was actually shunned in jiu-jitsu for a long time because of the back exposure. You know, like swinging through, exposing your back, or um, getting armbarred, which, which was the other problem. People would swing, get armbarred, um, and it wasn't really until Majid. Um, came into the scene um, in fact and that's pretty recent he's he's not an old guy um maybe 10 years ago yeah yeah um so with majid it wasn't so much that he only started doing it 10 years ago um when i talked to him he, he said he started he learned it when he was like a teenager you know um but it wasn't until he was competing as a black belt and started hitting it consistently against top level guys you know my cousin clark um felt fell to it twice you know um and, and it wasn't until that point that it was even considerable, considered a viable technique in competitive jiu-jitsu. Before then, it was just considered a Hail Mary or something you did in practice because if you expose your back in practice, who cares? Um, 
but he kind of changed the game with with the the baseball choke um, because he he showed it could be a viable strategy for for competition. The the only thing with baseball choke guys is all things aside, it, the, if it fails, it is very hard to recover from. You're usually giving up great positioning. Um, usually even up points in a competition. It, like I said, it's it's a hard position to salvage should it go wrong. Second, uh, to be most effective with the technique, first you have to make sure your technique is pristine, but uh, more importantly, you have to be sure that your opponent is, his your opponent's ego is biting into the, the technique, right? They have to play their role in it for this to work. Remember, this is a counter technique. Not a, like a counter to any particular move, but like counter as in counter fighting. They have to behave a certain way in order to expose themselves to it. And if they don't, the technique will ultimately fail. Mm-hmm. So if you keep that in mind, that it's a great technique to go, um, but but there are its drawbacks. So would you advise them for people working on this, don't try it in competition until you've done it over and over? In, well, I, until, until you're consistently hitting it. I wouldn't do it in competition. Well, that that's the end of that section. That's nice. That was easy. That was easy. It's almost like you've been thinking about this for the last uh, couple weeks and however long it took to set up the curriculum we're working oh, on right now. Yeah. How long are we going to work on baseball stuff? Um, we really, honestly, we only have... I think we did this now. I mean, we'll hit it in a different in different spots. Like you said, it's a pre-universal choke, so we'll do it in different places. But for the current half butterfly series that we're on, I believe this is the only place we're going to hit it on was this week's. But we'll hit it when we're passing and doing other things too. Before we end, let's just do some quick D and D. It's been a while. Can I use my pass? Or I think you already used it, didn't you? Damn, I don't know. Did I? Yeah, you did. Shit. Uh you. That was very short term thinking. <laughs> that did not last me very long. Nope. All right, we're just gonna we'll do some quick stuff. All right, you. Last time we we left off, I believe you were at the Geklar. You were the Geklar chieftain, and he wanted your sword, and you. Fuck, I can't remember where we. <laughs> then, I think it's it then. No, we're just gonna we're just gonna do this. You. He wanted your sword. You run up. You were you have the sword to his neck. And then he says, wait, don't kill me. Okay. Don't kill me. I can I can get you back home to wherever you wanted to go. Here is here is this 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 staff I have in the crystal in the middle. It helps you transport through time and space. So he taps it on the ground. This huge portal opens up. Okay. And you can see through it looks like a corridor that's maybe like twenty feet long, and on the other side it is you and your wife walking down the street before you were before you were take uh-huh. uh, taken away to this other place okay. or before you went and helped the guy with jujitsu and the whole thing unfolded okay so he he does this and you see this 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 portal in front of you and he says ah oh, fine go but leave me the sword please uh-huh. and then Eladriel says please don't take me with you I, I can help you whether it's in this realm or another and then you look and you see all of the Geklar have been slain and the barbarian people are happy because you've you've Someone. helped them you've helped yeah. them take these people out I'm like a god almost 
You, you are. You well. You were the Messiah. I am the Messiah. You've That's taken out the Geklar. You've left them in a better place. <laughs> a lot of them died, and uh-huh. you as you showed very little remorse for their deaths. You're right. But <laughs> but I guess you got the you got the job done. Uh huh. So what are you, it's up to you now. What are you doing? Okay. So. I need questions. Like, do I have options on this? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can okay, so, do whatever so, you want. So the question is, is can I just bring my wife to this world? You can, you can walk through the portal and try to, yeah, bring her in. I mean, it's yeah. It's, so why not? Yeah, is that do that? Yeah. You walk through the portal. I'm right. All right, you start to walk through the portal, and then I kidnap her and I bring her to this world. You're like ten feet away, and then all of a sudden it starts, and it starts to. I have Eladriel, right? You walk, and she's magical sword, so she can do whatever I want. Again, I'm gonna go back to what I said last time. Magical things don't mean you can do whatever you want. Hey, man, I watched Rick and Morty. That's true. In that episode, you can just make whatever I want. Yeah. That's because they allowed it. Oh, I am the creator of this oh, universe. Oh, so you're you're a god in this scenario. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> so so you you see this this corridor start to shake. You look behind where the Geklar and the barbarians are, and it just sh- it shatters, and there's no more door. You look in front of you, and that starts to shatter, and uh-huh. now you're just in the middle of this hallway, and a disc opens up above you, and a big robot hand comes through and grabs your head, okay. and it pulls you out, and it throws you down on this metallic table, and you're on what you can only guess is some kind of spaceship. Okay. And there are just these very circular globe-like robots with arms. And they're going, mm, mm, must analyze, analyze. And they're like trying to put needles in you and you're, you're okay. just on this table. Uh, you, there are doors and windows. It's very futuristic. Okay. It's like a ship of some kind. Okay. Aladriel says, oh, Croyler, what, 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 what happened? We, we need to get out of here. We need, to, we need to find someone who can save us or someone who can help us and give us some information. Okay. Oh, am I supposed to keep going? Are we keep going past this? Yeah, okay. we're going past this. Because okay. I've, I, I, I've really just described everything. Now we need some. Oh. Yeah, we need we oh. need to see what you want to do in this situation. Oh, then then I would I would leave the scene. So you start to stand up, and there are probably three of these robots around you. Just breaking with a sword, but cut it right the through thing. them. She's a trans-dimensional entity who she will change in each setting. So she went oh. from a sword. Now mm. she's a. I'm not going to say lightsaber because I don't know if you're allowed to use this thing. <laughs> she is a sword of light. Okay. All right. Almost like a lightsaber. Uh, no, I know. No, it's no, completely different. This is that. a sword okay. of light. All right. All right. No. Yeah. Uh, and and so <laughs> as soon as you pull her and unsheathe her, <laughs> no, that's too close to, uh, okay. it goes. That's a horrible sound. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so you. <laughs> I'm yeah. done. That I think that's sound. what George Lucas originally. That was the original it, sound. That was the original one. All right, all right. And the and the lightsabers were just really floppy. Oh, they're kind of like uh, what's that episode of Family Guy with the floppy lightsabers? <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know if it was Harvest Moon or something. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay, well, you know what? That's, you didn't do a lot in this one. This was this one was mainly me just describing things, but we set the you, table. You're trying to carry on to a different spot. We set the table now. I get it. We're this, transitioning. Was a, this was a transition. I get yeah, it. Yeah, we're right. in the sci-fi realm now. Okay. Okay, so everyone, that's that's it. And 
I hope that last this last part helped you understand baseball jokes also. Also, for everybody listening, um, I will be in Philly March 14th doing a seminar at uh, Scion BJJ um, that's owned by Steve Austin. Um, I will be also at Jay Page's school in Phoenix, Arizona on May 16th for a seminar there as well. Um, if you're in either area, come out, you know, visit us, visit me, visit their schools. Um, they're both really cool guys. And, um, and I'll be in Black Lion March 28th as well. Yeah. And mention the podcast and he will pay for all of your, no. all of your entry. <laughs> that is not the case. <laughs> yep. Just, just mention that and it's free. Uh, that, that Andrew will pay for it. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.